You're listening to Finn Too Deep. To a back to throw, blitz coming, and get to him. No, he takes off running, and he's he in. It. Touchdown, Miami! With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. Welcome back, everyone, as we dive back in Finn Too Deep. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Reason, joined by Neil. Neil, um, it's the quiet before the storm leading up to the draft. We had the media availabilities this week. We had some Debo rumblings this week. You opened the mailbag. Um, but other than that, how's everything going for you, man? Uh, are you getting ready for the draft? I know... I think engagement, I was talking to some people, you know, who work and own draft sites and they're talking about how engagement has pretty much been down across the board. And I mean, obviously not just for dolphin fans, but you know, we kind of correlated to, there's no real strong, like not only quarterback class, but there's no real big name, like edge rushers. They're pushing names like Kevon Thibodeau down and trying to attach stupid, silly narratives. And, you know, there's really no big, like generational names out in this class. And maybe that's a reason why, um, but how are you feeling leading up to draft week, dude? I know we don't have a lot of picks, but you're a draft guy. You love the draft just as much as I do. How are you feeling? You know, it's funny that you mentioned that engagement because uh, for me, it's definitely the in the last 10, 12 years, the least I've been engaged. But I think a lot of that is because the Dolphins don't have a pick till pick 102. And, and another reason is, is that I don't think we've ever seen such a chaotic free agency. So... Like, that was exhausting, man. That was a lot to keep up with, like Russ, starting from Russell Wilson to the Devontae Adams trade to the, then obviously the Dolphins, you know, with Taron Armstead and Tyreek Hill on back-to-back days. And it was awesome. And I kind of shared the same sentiments uh, uh, Chris Greer said in his, in his presser, right? Like, it sucks we don't have that first-round pick. I'll have the draft on, but I might be on my phone on YouTube checking out Tyreek Hill clips because, uh, you know, and, and when you peel that back a little bit, right, like, you know, I, I love having draft picks. I love the 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 whole essence of adding players to your team and stuff like that. But there's not one player, and I don't know if you agree with me, but there's not one player in this draft that I would take over Tyree Kill. Not one player. I would have traded the number one overall pick for Tyree Kill. I, I know that sounds like just absolutely insane, but if it's Trava- Trayvon Walker or Aiden Hutchinson, and you can tell me that right now I can have Aiden Hutchinson or Tyree Kill, 10 out of 10 times when taking Tyree Kill. So, like, when you think think about what the Dolphins accomplished, like, you know, it sucks not to have the picks, but, like, we added a game-breaker. So, uh, I'm still excited about it. I mean, I'll be plugged in. I'll be, I'll be watching. Um, I, I want to see, before I create my final mock, I, you know, every time I do it, something big goes down. So, I want to give it give it a day or two so that uh, if this Debo Samuel thing comes to fruition, I'm not I'm not left scrambling, putting a lot of effort into something and changing it the next day. But you know, I, we'll watch, and you know, I hope that the Dolphins with their four picks can get two rosterable players. Let, let's talk about the draft for a second here, and non Dolphins for a sec. Sure. I think Travon Walker and Kenny Pickett are the two most overrated 
players in this class. I don't get the Travon Walker hype. Um, you look at his pressure rates. He's got, he's got like an 11% pressure rate. He's got one of the lowest pressure rates in this class. You know, I don't see a dominant run stopper. You know, I see a guy, you know, a lot of his sacks were clean up, you know, clean up or, you know, unengaged straight to the quarterback sacks. You're not talking about a guy with a, you know, real big pass rush arsenal, move arsenal, no counter moves. I just don't see the hype. Like the fact that this guy is being talked about over potentially Aiden Hutchinson and Kevon Thibodeau, people should be fired. Personally, what I think, um, I would even take a Jobo over him too. I'll even go that far. <clears throat> um, you know, raw, raw, raw. And, you know, I'm just not a believer in Walker when I watch the film. I don't get it. And then Kenny Pickett, you know, I think what, you know, I, I'll tell you right now, Malik <clears throat> is my number one guy in this class. Sam Howell is my number two. <clears throat> you could basically flip the flop at three or four strong and Ritter for me. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, and I just, I, I don't see the picket. I don't get the picket love, man. I, I, I'd even put Matt Corral at five before I even, you know, went to picket. You know, these two guys I'm looking at, I don't get the hype. Picket in the top 10, stop it. Trevon Walker, potentially a one. Oh my God. I don't know what's going on. This is, you know, I, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, I get it. This class is underwhelming. But are we talking about underwhelming to the point where we're really well willing to bet on guys when there's other guys who are clearly more pro ready and more pro polished than these two? I, I don't get it, man. I, I agree with you on both accords uh, accounts here. First of all, with Trevon Walker, when you watch the Georgia tape last year, right? And we know Adam Anderson's a player that had a lot of troubles. He's in this draft. He'll probably go undrafted. But Jalen Carter, the defensive Carter, a defensive tackle who's going back to school this year was the best defensive lineman I saw on tape and then Jordan Davis. Yeah. And then I even like Nolan Smith a little bit more than I like Trevon Walker. I agree with that. Yeah. Trevon Walker is my sixth ranked edge. I have Hutchinson, Thibodeau, George Karloftis, David Ajabo, yep. and I know he has the injury, but I still think that if you're a team at the end of first round, and you're building for, or you know, you're building for the future. David Ajabo is going to be a good player, and then I have Jermaine Johnson all ahead of Trevon Walker. Mm -hmm. I know we love traits, and we and we get excited about it when the, when we see people run and jump and and look like complete Olympians on the track field. But like you know, and I'm not saying he's a bad player, but no, I have him as an end of round one player, and I would agree with that. I think it's insane that it's people stupid. are. I mean, if the Jacksonville Jaguars take him with the first pick, oh. I mean, I mean, because because re in reality, for the Jags, they need to take your boy Aquanu right there and put him next to Cam Robinson and call it a day. And I'll re yo Neil, your top four, I agree with in that order, a hundred and ten percent. And I agree, uh, Walker's not even in my top five. I agree with you, one hundred and ten percent. So well, you know. You know what sucks for the Jags, though, if you look at it, like I and I like Aiden Hutchinson, so, so I, I. that's who I would pick. But like, they, I'd pick Kavon. Kavon's my number one. Well, you know they really need to help build this team around Trevor Lawrence, and I know, and I'm not gonna. Brandon Sheriff was a great signing, right? Yep. Uh, Christian Kirk they overpaid for, but he's a quality receiver. They yep. have Evan Ingram, but like, 
Where is that go-to guy for Trevor Lawrence? Are they making the same type of mistakes that the Dolphins made for two? So you trade back. Uh, you know what? Get a receiver. If, I, if you could get yourself a team like the Jets that would give you four and ten, if they were, if they had it, if they had a conviction for an Aiden Hutchinson, I'd do it in a second because. I think the the smart move for them is they they franchise tag Cam Robinson again, right? They franchise yeah. this guy multiple times and they're not extending him, right? It tells us that they're that they're not committed long term to him. Go get yourself Evan or Eric Wanu yeah. and, and, and protect this guy and, yeah. and, and start Equanu off at guard, and you'll have Sheriff and Equanu as your guards with Brandon Linder at center and Cam Robinson and Jawan Taylor at tackles. And you'll have a good line. Like I, I just think that, like, unfortunately for them, the draft they I like because you want like an AJ Green type, AJ Green, Julio Jones type receiver, and he's just not in this draft. And there's great options. Pickens but, like, is the closest thing, I think. But like, I, I just think like it, it's crazy that like I, I've seen a lot of steam on the the Walker to Jags, and I, and like I kind of hope it happens, man. Like I, I'll be honest, like because I because then you know. Aiden Hutchinson, then then he goes to listen. Can I say something? I'm going to say oh. something real convert. Con, I'm going to say something controversial, maybe here. My fifth guy and a guy I would take before Walker, boy, Maffe out of Minnesota. I, you know what? I and and that's where I have him more in that range, and where Arnold Ebiketti from Penn State might be. I, I think that that's I like, like Drake Jack Jackson out of USC. I'm just shocked that the walk the Walkers getting this much steam. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot. Of, and the Kenny Pickett stuff, man, like I'm with you. I, oh, the only quarterback I touch in round one is Malik Willis, and that's like yep. if, I, if traits. I'm – And I'm going off traits because I'm touching you. Well, I'm you talking about I mean? the Lions at pick 32. Like I, yeah, I would, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I would not with the second pick, and they might do something no. crazy. But, uh, you know, there there are definitely some things in the draft. Well, it's because that, they, he's not getting past Pittsburgh, my friend. I don't think he will. I know they love him, and if, I don't think he gets out of the top ten. He's gonna well. Go. If they can't get him, I think that their guy's going to be Desmond Ritter. There's a lot of people in the NFL circles that have Desmond Ritter way higher than like the draft Twitter. Uh, I think it was uh, Matt Miller, ESPN, that was kind of going over it, mm -hmm. and I found that very intriguing because I do think that there's some you know enticing traits to Desmond Ritter, but I I, I think that we're going to see a pick that's going to happen. And, and from some of the things I've heard here locally and just kind of knowing the DNA of the Baltimore Ravens, keep an eye on them and Jordan Davis. I have been told that they love him. They view him as a plus sized Haloti Nada. Um, so I, I would keep an eye on that marriage with pick 14. If he's there, I mean, like he'll be there. Yeah. I think he will be too. Cause of position yeah. versatility. I, I think the, the whole Derek Stingley thing falling is going away. Uh, I think he, he kind of he ran some good numbers. I think him and Sauce Gardner. What do you probably, think of this corner class? I you know I love Sauce Gardner. I've been I've yeah been, oh yeah 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 You're I've been turning I love him and, and I love like, I like Gardner. I like Stingley. I like McDuffie. I like Booth. I like Elam. I like Woolen. But once we start going outside that, I'm not like like I like Mikal Wright. When we're talking about slot guys, but like once we go outside those names, I'm not like overly blown away by this class you know what i mean I, I mean the only guys that i have at the top 15 player grade are stingley and carter i like andrew booth there's some questions there i like yeah. trent mcduffie he's mcduffie's probably the guy that i would feel safest draft i think about elon out of, 
And, and I like Elam a lot too. Um, I like Roger McCreary. Obviously, there's some some athletic questions there on, on his traits. There's Kyler Gordon, a guy that I think is going to go a lot higher than people are thinking is uh, University of uh, UTSA, um, um, Tariq Woolen. Well, and that's what I just said, yeah. Yeah, I think he's a guy that's going to go a lot higher yeah. than other people think. And, and then I think uh, Jalen Armour Davis from uh, Alabama is a guy who's got, you know, that that length that, like, the Seattle Seahawks used to covet in their corners. But overall, you know, to be honest, eh, you know. Yeah, and exactly. That's where I'm at. Uh, Next I, year's I, class looks a bit better. I mean, when you, when you look across the draft, like, the safety position, you can say, like, there's yeah. three, there's three or four guys exactly the huge cliff corners they're about the same way now the linebacker class I love it I, I love it bro I have like 18 guys that I think that are are, are really good players on the defensive tackle yeah. front it's the same thing four or five guys then an unbelievable drop off the edge class I think is is, is sensational I think the interior offensive lineman is pretty pretty great actually. The Mind offensive the tackles is okay. Yeah, the offensive tackles, it's four or five guys in a huge drop off again. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the receiver class, there's a, there's 10 to 15 guys that are just really, really good players. The tight end class is blah to me. Um, and then the running back class is good, but it's not great. And the quarterback class off. Honestly, it's probably the worst overall draft class since 2013, in my opinion. You know what's crazy? When you look at the quarterback class for a sec. If you look at tape, Sam Howell has the best tape. If you put in 2019 and 2020 into effect, that's the best tape out of any quarterback in the class. It's just he, he looked like he regressed a bit in 2021 because they had a new offense and they brought they lost a whole bunch of weapons, right? They lost both running backs, lost both um, receivers, but Josh Downs did step up with him this year and had a huge year. I love the linebacker class. Like I am hoping Muma, um, Chanel, um, Troy Anderson or Channing Tindall is there at 102. Like, please, God, let one of those guys be there at 102. Please, 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 please. I I like this. I like this uh, linebacker class. Um, you know, I, I agree with you. Um, on the, I think it's more a guard. I'm not a huge fan of the center class, bro. Like, yeah, it is a big drop-off after Linderbaum, dude. Like, and I like Donovan West. I like Cam Jurgens. I actually really thought Luke Fortner's film was pretty fun. But, you know, outside of the, like, you know, Alec Lindstrom, I have him as my center five. I got Linderbaum's one. West is two. Um, I got Jurgens at three. I got Fortner at uh, four. And then I got, um, and then I got Lindstrom at five. I know they're targeting Lindstrom and you know, I know he's got athletic questions, but he knows the scheme. He's been effective in the scheme. The Boston college line was one of the best in the nation last year. And you know, the thing is, you know, even Donovan West, my number two guy, he's not even the same stratosphere as Linderbaum. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no, no, no no way. Yeah, no way. Like I like Jurgens and Fortner for their, upside you know what i mean down the road like i like donovan west because he can play left guard right guard or center um he's got some things he got to work on but i look at the center class and again but here's the thing i think Litterbaum is the best center to come out since mccoy yeah definitely you know like i think he's better than creed he's better than cesar ruiz or biotish i, I see i here's the one thing since i do i have him better than him and i think he's better than mccoy too I don't know if he'll translate as well as Creed did, though. 
because uh, Creed went in to his right team. system. He will if he uh, came yeah, to us. Right system. Uh, oh, Creed. buddy, if he came, if Linderbaum came to Miami, it's a he is well. You, he is he is literally the prototype for what we want at that position. Like that guy he is have been there at twenty nine. I have a feeling. I I have a feeling if we had picked twenty nine. I, I think he's going to fall a little bit because of his being a little bit undersized. Would you try to move back up for him? Eh, I just don't. I, I, unless you're getting into next year's ammo, and if we're getting into next year's ammo, we'll, we'll, I would make the move for the next topic we're going to talk about. Um, so I, I, I just don't think so. And I, the one name that you didn't mention that I do like is uh, Dylan Parham from uh, Memphis a little bit. I have him as a guard. I don't have him as a center. Yeah, so I, I could buy my interior offensive lineman because usually, you know, like like for example, if the Cowboys drafted him, he'd probably uh, Linderbaum. Linderbaum probably would start off at left guard as, as Beatus is their center. So I like when you talk about the tier offensive lineman, I'm with you. I have Linderbaum as number one. The guy who I love and I've loved for a long time is Kenyon Green. I, I think that guy is going to be a top yeah, five my guard. Yeah, my guard. And I like I like Zion Johnson a lot as well. Um, and then you know the other guys are getting some plugs. Tyler, like Smith. I didn't put Zion Johnson at center because that was just something they were trying at the Senior Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, no. And, and I, I think he, I think these interior guys can fall around too. I think we've seen it happen before. Um, you know, I mean, you know, I think one of those three guys will go in round one, and the other two probably will fall outside of it. Well, do you, how far do you think Abe Lucas falls? I actually don't think he's going to fall that far. I, I think the Packers in round two or Seattle make a lot of sense for him. Really good fit for him on those teams. I think he's going to go in the top 50. Man, he'd be perfect. Yeah, he's he's a really good tackle player. for us, man. Yeah, he's a he's a good player, man. And he's getting a lot of steam. Yeah. Um, I think he's one of those guys that that like the NFL is going to like a lot more than draft Twitter because, you know, a right tackle is not really sexy. Yeah, no, I've been because I've been watching Max Borgie for a couple of years. I've been watching Abe, and um, I'm really, uh, I'm really a fan of him, bro. I'm really, I didn't get to, I didn't get to talk to you since our, our your your dream died with uh, us signing, yeah, with us signing Thomas Morstead. I mean, do you think that like didn't really die because you can cut a Morstead? Right. I was gonna say know. like you, you, there's, you know I mean, what's scary when you look at Morstead that no one's talking about Neil. Go look at his dip in hang time over the past couple of years. It's like super noticeable to the point where the return yardage against him is like skyrocketing off of his hang time right now. Well, That's he, why I was looking. I was like, why is he bouncing around when he's averaging almost, you know, like over 47 yards? And then I looked, I was like, and then I saw how the hang time correlated to the return yards against him, and I was like, "Oh, that's why." Well, dude, there was a time when he was a top five punter in the league. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. now he's a journeyman, and, and you know that's, you know that's that's kind of rare for a punter, right? I'd so, still take Matariza. He's a he's dude at one twenty five. He'd probably be the most sure thing on the yeah. board, dude. It might be the most sure thing at one hundred two if you're looking for a legitimate oh, really? starter. Real. I mean, like, yeah, I'm with you because I, you know, the one, the one thing I, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'd love sincere McCormick at 224. Well, it's it's just not a debate for me, man. Like, the reality is we're lucky to get two rosterable players out of these four picks. Mm-hmm. I think we will. To think we're going to get a starter, I think, is a reach unless we do get an inside linebacker that is a someone slips. Down. Someone's going yeah, to have like to slip. a two down player or a center that's, you know, a guy who's who, the linebacker realistically you would want the most at 102 that could fall the guy who i've wanted for a long time but i'm starting to think he won't be there is chan and tyndall um because mm. i've heard teams like baltimore and new england like them and they have a lot of picks in front of us 
But that's the guy who I want most. Uh, I think he's going to be a steal of the draft. The guy that if we can't get those, if, if we can't get him, because I'm going to say that Dean's obviously gone. Devin Lloyd's obviously gone. I think Mumo's going to be gone. Christian Harris, Quay Walker, Leo Chanel. The guy that I think I would take is Brandon Smith from Penn State. Where Yeah, he's my linebacker five. If not him, Troy Anderson from Montana. Yeah. The tools on Brandon Smith are stupid, though. Right. Yeah, I, I think Brandon Smith's upside is Astro. Yeah, that's what you're betting on. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Right? And, and, and I think that there's there. And, and honestly, I, I think a couple of those linebackers are going to be there, right? Like, it's a deep class. And like, hell, do you think Damone Clark, Damon Clark might be there at 224 because of his spinal injury? I've heard he might go undrafted, man. So, yeah, I think he'll be there. I think he's a guy you probably can get in seventh round. It sucks. Inj- that injury sucks. Yeah. That guy's a great football He's player. He's a great football player. I'd be yeah. pounding the table for him at 102 if he was healthy. Healthy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but no, it's tough. All right. So let's talk about what we could be using uh, the picks on instead. The uh, the Debo stuff started off, obviously started off last weekend where Dolphins Twitter and Dolphin fans were overanalyzing, uh, you know, his choice of wardrobe and the thread, you know, <laughs> the thread coordination he was wearing clearly rocking dolphin fans uh dolphin colors you know we've been pretty consistent saying he wants to be here from what we've heard the dolphins want him here but it's just a matter of all it comes down to is price at the end of the day right right um you know that was how originally they got involved in the tyreek talks they were in on debo casey swooped in said hey we don't want players you know when there were names like jerome baker and byron jones being floated around in a possible potential package for Debo Samuel. Um, you look at this situation. I mean, not really much has changed. The only thing that I, that's changed really that I've heard is, you know, people in lead circles, you know, know he wants to go to Miami um, without an extension in place. I've heard there's no way they're going to get a Tyree kill hall. Like it's just not happening unless a team believes that they can get him in the building, you know, and by, you know, having him there in a year, you know, get him to at least a point he'll franchise tag and make him a believer and pay him. Um, but you know, from all indications, I've heard he wants to test free agency next um, off season. I mean, you know, we heard, oh, he doesn't want to be a hybrid anymore. When in February, I played the clip on Finside the NFL. Neil at the Pro Bowl, he was telling everyone he renamed the position a wide back, and he loves doing it because he just likes getting the ball in his hands and. I've said to this, you know, look past the fact he hung out with Raekwon Davis and they don't work out together. They aren't from the same positional group, so they're not training together. I mean, you go figure it out how all of a sudden they're friends now. Look all past all that. Look past the fact that Mike McDaniel, you know, he's the one person that this guy trusts his career in the hands of and they're good friends. And that's why when he's out, you know, here's the thing. People need to realize. Mike McDaniel had him playing at a pro, all pro level. If Mike McDaniel says, I got to give you five to eight carries a game, you think Debo is going to say no? He's going to say yes because you know why? You've proven to me it can work with you. But, anyways, I digress. You look at this whole Debo situation and how it's coming down. This is turning into Deshaun Watson minus the no trade clause. He wants to be reunited with Mike McDaniel. You know, I've heard he would take less 
than the open market to play for Mike McDaniel. And the one thing that I keep coming back to, Neil, we've been so strategic with every move we've made in terms of foresight by pushing money down the line, structure. You know, you look at what the Tyreek Hill structure, the hit he has this year, you know, smart with money with how he spent it on Connor Williams, Cedric Wilson, you know, um, Taron Armstead. Then you look at how precise they've been with Alec Ingold, Chase Edmonds, bringing in Salvin Ackman, uh, tendering Salvin Ackman because he came from San Francisco, keeping Miles Gaskins. He has a similar athletic profile to, to um, Salvin Ackman, you know, bringing in Raheem Moser, the home run hitter. For all the precise and all the chess, not checkers games they've played, there's one glaring hole. They have not added a third and one back. They have not added a red zone threat. They have not added the guy you're going to hand it into inside the five-yard line, short-yarded situation. They haven't added that guy yet. And you look at the picks we have. Okay, so what? A sincere McCormick falls you at 224 or Devontae Price out of FIU? And... You know, and then you go back to Debo. That was the role Debo played over the last 11 games of the season last year. I mean, he was in the backfield, like, you know, he was only on the boundary about 52, 53% of the time. He was in the backfield a ton, but on third and one, even when Elijah Mitchell was healthy, that's who they gave the ball to on third and one in the red zone, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not saying I've been an advocate of, I don't think they're going to trade for Debo. I think he's going to walk through the doors next offseason, though. Like if next off season was tomorrow, Debo would be a Miami Dolphin tomorrow. All right, as as of April twenty second, two thousand and twenty two. If the off season was April twenty third, he would be a Dolphin on April twenty third tomorrow. Okay, so that's just how the situation is fluid. The situation a lot can change in three hundred sixty five days, but as it stands today, that would be the situation. So that's where I'm at. I don't think they're going to trade for him unless it works, but. We've got about $23 million in cap space, Neil. He has about a $4.9 million cap hit this year. If you trade for him this year and you extend him, next year you can structure it so he only has a $5 million cap hit and you're paying him $10 million over two years and you're not paying him real money till like 2024 when it starts kicking in. You can restart restructuring other people so it can fit. And I hate Dolphin fans, Neil, that are saying, well, we got, look the receiver room. There's stop looking at this guy as a receiver. He is Cordell Patterson on crack. Okay, this guy is not the same. He is built different than a normal wide receiver. You can give him six to eight carries a game, and you can target him five to eight times. So on the low end, six carries, five targets. I'm getting the ball in his hands eleven times on the low end. All right. So there's plenty of ways you can get the ball in his hands, all right? And he lined up in line last year. So, again, he's another guy that could threaten Gusecki for reps. I think, I don't think he would take targets away from Waddle and those guys and Tyreek. He, he would take targets away from Gusecki and then maybe a few – from, you know, one from Wilson and one from Bowden, but Gusecki would be the one that would be phased out if you ask me um, with with Debo Samuel because you got Derm Smythe, you know, who can do a lot of the things Gusecki can in terms of blocking. You can leak him out after he disengages 
and he can chip and get out into the open field, which you don't really do with Kaseki right now. So I think Kaseki is the one who would actually take the big hit. Um, what are your thoughts on the whole Debo Samuel situation? And bro, if we were to get Debo Samuel, my friend, yeah, AFC I, Championship I, or bust, let's go. Well, I think there's a lot of smoke here, and, and I looked, and it was six episodes ago when we got on here and we said that Debo Samuel wanted to be a Miami Dolphin. So this is something that's been lingering for about a month and a half, right? So you don't go out and buy <laughs> that shirt that Debo has unless you're trying to make some kind of statement. We know that since Mike McDaniel has been the head coach, he's been out to a lunch with him. We know that Raekwon Davis and Debo Samuel had a dinner, and we know that he's requested a trade from San Francisco. I said this on Twitter, and, and, and I and I stand by this. Can I just ask you something? Sorry to interrupt. Yep, I have to ahead. ask you this because I want your thoughts on it, and you can continue on. It's just because I want to hear what you have to say. Do you think it might have been he knew how advanced their talks were with San Francisco was before they pivoted to Tyree Kill, and it made him even more bitter because he did almost get what he wanted? I think it makes it more attractive, man, because we worry about how many touches are going to be there for Waddle, Hill, and Samuel, right? If they say this happens, and, and I and I'll be honest, I don't think it's going to happen. I'll just say that. But I think I think Debo wants it to. I think San Francisco doesn't, and I think the Dolphins are intrigued. So there, you put all that in the blender, and you just have more chaos. And McDaniel wants it. We know and McDaniel. McDaniel, McDaniel wants them bad. So I, I think there's a lot of chaos there. You're adding a guy to Debo. I'm not going to put him in a position, but if you ask me to name the top three receivers in football, I would say it's Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and Debo Samuel. That, that would be my answer. And, and I'll put this as, as kind of a side note. I'm not tra trading Jalen Waddle for anybody, not one receiver in football. I think Byron Jones would be the guy, bro, because he fits their zone scheme so well. I think uh, Byron Jones would be the name going back the other way. And you might have to package a Preston or Lynn Bowden as well. Yeah, I mean, and I'm and I and I and I think you're going to have to give up a first rounder. And the way I would do it strategically is I would trade the Dolphins' first rounder for Debo Samuel. You know why? I think that the the 49ers, without Lakin Tomlinson, who they lost him this year, without Debo Samuel, who is practically what seventy percent of their offense, and a rookie starting quarterback, because all indications are that Trey Lance is going to start, and they botched getting draft capital for Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, maybe they do before the draft, but I think the Dolphins could find this the biggest factor, Neil. I'll let you get, I'll give you a chance to also name who else they're missing. Ruhi Mozart. Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel. No, okay. No, but you put all that out there. So if you think about that, you might have done what you did to the Houston Texans all over again because – I don't know what everyone here thinks. I think Trey Lance is going to have a lot of growing pains, and especially without Debo Samuel's Debo Samuel. And I think Brandon Ayuk's underwhelmed. I think losing Mike McDaniel's is going to hurt their offensive rushing attack. And honestly, like I could see them pick it in the top five next year. So if you take their best player, and I think he is, I know people will say George Kittle, but I, I'm I'm a Debo Samuel over Kittle guy. I think what you've done to the Dolphins' I've, offense is give another dimension that it's just We're indefensible, sense. bro. We are indefensible but, if you yeah. add that. But the question they have to ask themselves uh, as Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel 
is do we really believe in Tua Tungavaloa? Because if you do, you have a chance to create one of the most spectacular wide receiver groups in NFL history. But and, if, and, you, if he fails, falls on his face, you can give a guy like, I don't know, Tom Brady this offense next year. Well, I, I think because it, it's attractive to have those two picks in case you need to trade up. But I, I, I'm saying, but I think two is going to give us top twelve play without Debo even inserting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I'm just saying, like if the Dolphins, the, if they believe in Tua, they should make this move because they have given themselves the most dynamic offense in football, probably. And their defense is, you know, in any way you want to slice it, they're at least above average. I mean, like, I, I, I the rushing attack gets better. Like the ability to add a Tyree kill and a Debo Samuel in one offseason probably comes once in 30 years, maybe like, cause I don't remember this is ever happening before. I, I, I think it's really intriguing, man, because I don't think it's BS. I think it's real. I think we're going to, I think, unfortunately the 49ers are going to hold them hostage a little bit. So I don't think anything is going to get done before this draft. Um, I've texted you this uh, personally that I know that the Ravens were very interested in Debo Samuel. They've talked packages. Um, I know that Debo was not 100% sold on Baltimore because he was worried about Lamar Jackson's long-term status there. So, you know, I, I always say when good franchises are sniffing around somebody, that's a good sign. Um, I don't even know how the hell the Ravens would ever afford him with the way their cap situation is. But like, I think first and foremost, Debo Samuel wants to be a Dolphin. And if you believe in Tua Tungavaloa, you have that surplus of draft capital. Look, it gets tricky, but if the Saints didn't prove anything to us this year, you can restructure, you can move money, and the long-term ramifications are a lot different. I mean, I think there's a lot of smoke here. At the end of the day, I don't think it happens this offseason. I think something could get done next offseason, though. Two things for you. One picture we trot out 20 man personnel all right we're just like la 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 we trot out 20 man personnel in the okay on the boundaries you put wilson Mm -hmm. and waddle in the slot you put bowden and out of the backfield tyreek and debo and just for shits and gigs we what's going to the right, and we pull. We pull Taron Armstead to that right side too. Yeah, what up, bro? What do you What do you do? I mean, look, this is the chance that you have to achieve greatness. Like, okay, this you want to hear my thoughts on this? Here's the thing, bro. Listen, I said this on my show yesterday. I'm gonna say this to you. Scared money don't make no money. What you have told us by Tyreek's contract, Neil. His cap hit goes up to $50.1 million in 2026. What does that tell us, Neil? 2022, 2023, 2024, and 2025 are the years to win. Bro, I don't care if we spend $50 million on our freaking wide receiver. I don't care how you get it done. Go deliver me a championship. I don't care how you do it. And guess what? Our coach's specialty? This guy is a mad scientist. He's a mixed scientist. And... 
the run game and the receivers and the offense, that's his specialty. If you can give him a plethora of weapons that even he doesn't know what to do with, what do you think de- the fits that'll give defenses, bro? Like, we would have an offense that keeps coordinators. We would go from having one of the most stagnant offenses in the NFL in the past couple of years because we had no running game. We had no weapons outside of Waddle. Like, Gusecki disappeared in primetime against the Ravens, and he was on wanted posters and milk cartons after that. And then, you know, it was just, dude, it was so obvious that it was Waddle that how how many throws did you see Tua make where he actually had to zip it in even if it was within 10 yards, he had to zip it in because it was triangle box coverage, you know, or he was bracketed at, at, at best. Right. So he's even having to throw with three defenders, four defenders or two defenders around Waddle. Cause everyone just continuously collapsed to Waddle and look at the space Waddle's going to get now. Look oh, at yeah. the, like, it's like people do not understand. I, I've been, and I know, you know, I've been saying this, I already think there's going to be an adaption period for defenses and coordinators for what we're going to be fielding. Okay. Cause what we're doing is the Shanahan offense with a speed and vertical element that no one's seen before already. Now, if you're going to add in a hybrid guy who can kill you out of the backfield, cause he has a size or he can kill you in the open field with these guys, right? Because he's played in lines. Like go look at his usage over the last 11 games, you know, last year, his usage, he was in the he was in line, he was in the slot, he was in the boundary, he was in the backfield. He was everywhere. Like Debo was one of those positionalist guys that can kill you from anywhere you put him. And that's what Tyreek is. And that's what Waddle has the ability to be. The problem is Waddle didn't have a chance to showcase that because he was the only dude out there that was balling every game, all right? And dude, I'm telling you right now. Tua Here's the other thing. You know what? I don't care. Here's here's what I don't get. Bro, think about it. Include Waddle on his rookie deal. My friend, Neil, we can add three 1,200-plus all-purpose yard guys for $50 million. So when you actually break it down... You're averaging about sixteen and a half million. Like, stop looking at it as just Tyreek. Not talking about you, but Dolphin fans need to stop looking at it as just Tyreek and Debo. Think of it. You're ensuring you have a top three. That's the least. I don't care. Name a better. Like, that's a better top three. And that's another thing for usage, Neil. People saying the usage can't happen. Someone explain to me. A B. Godwin and Evans, bro. If you win, it don't matter. Do you think these bros? Yes, they want their targets, but if you're winning, you think people are gonna care? Oh, I got eight or nine targets today, I didn't get 12. I, I don't think so because you know why? Because they in this scenario, they would have got paid. Yes, Jalen Waddle's the number six overall pick. Tyreek Hill's got and did you see how they structured ever. it, Neil? What do you do, Neil? I just I just lined Debo's contract up to end. At 2026, so I saw, so I sign him for this year, and I give him a three-year, sixty million dollar deal, guarantee about forty-five to fifty million of it, just to shut him up with two under control for three more years. Yeah, and guess what? Waddle's extension isn't kicking in yet. Yep. Right. So I can make a decision in 2026 with Tyreek and Debo. Do I want to keep one of them, or do I want to keep? 
or do I want to move off both of them when I'm going when because by that time, right? That's when that'll be what 20 is 20. So, what 21? So, yeah, that'll be the first year. 2026 will be the first year. Uh, that'll be Waddle's sixth season, so that'll be the first year of his extension. Yeah, right. So, I, I, I'm clean. I can, I, I, and, and heading into the year before in his option year, I, I, there, well, and the Cavs going to go up in the next three exactly. to exactly, bro. And, and you know what, Neil, that's why you're right, too. When you tell me, you know what, we, if we're going to do it, we should do it now. You know why you're right, Neil? Do it now, extend them now, and push the money down because of what you just said. The cap, dude, his hit in, you know, if we don't see his money this year and they structure it so it's like Tyreek in his first year this year where he's only making like five or six million. So we don't really see hard money coming on for Debo till 20, uh, what is that, 2024? What's the cap going to be by that time? He's going to be a bargain by 2024, dude. Right. I, I, yeah. And look, I like, I don't care about how much you spend in one position. If you're adding players that are top, I, I mean, you're adding elite players like you're at yes. headline breakers you're adding the people that they break you know what it is neil television to introduce the trade like they did with Tyreek kill you know what it is neil dolphin you fans me. you know what it is neil dolphin fans aren't used to multiple superstars on offense i mean right yeah, well, we aren't we are on defense jason taylor zach thomas pat certain sam madison i'll even call brock marion and Jeremiah bell guys i love joey porter right we we've had superstars all over defense on all three levels but when ricky was here sure chambers was a star in miami and mcmichael was a star in miami but they weren't superstars in the nfl these people haven't seen multiple superstars come together and form like Voltron over here. And that's what we're trying to do. And like I said, scared money don't make money. Don't be who the hell would complain or be scared or bitch about the money to add. Like you said, you got him as your number three receiver, elite talent of that level, bro. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. You can make it work. Listen, 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025, those are your years to win it. Put your balls on the table. Do say you got the biggest out of the whole NFL. I don't care how you do it. Spend the money, make it happen, and bring us home a championship. You know what? We've already shown we're we're all in for the next four years with Tyreek's contract, next four seasons, including this one coming up. Dude, you might as well just put it on the table because if Tua don't work out this year, which he's going to work out anyways, I think. Like I said, top 12 play, I think. Bro, the next guy up is set. We don't miss a beat. And if especially if you get a veteran, we don't miss a beat. We just keep the train rolling, baby. Yeah, I I think that if there if there's an opportunity to make it happen, you should. And it lines up with uh, Xavier Howard, Neil. Xavier the 49ers can <laughs> next offseason. I don't think they're gonna get him this season. Bro. I mean, unless the, I mean the guy, the 49ers, because because you don't have a draft pick that you're gonna get on this year. Because if they don't trade him, bro, imagine if they try to franchise him. <laughs> no, and or... they're not going to because what's the tag gonna be next year? Like 19 million. It's good. It was if it was 18 and a half million this year. I assume it's going to be 19 or 20 million next year to tag. Um, I got to look it up, but I know it was over 18 million this year, the franchise tag for a receiver. So I can imagine it's going to be 19 or 20 million. And honestly, Neil, 
a thing a lot of people aren't factoring in and why I go back to it. And a reason why I think Debo wants to come here. I think he sees what we're building. He knows how McDaniel already knows to use him. I think he thinks he can win a championship, but I also think he thinks he's going to justify his new contract. I think he knows, and I think the Niners know, he's not going to give the same level of production without McDaniel gone because I don't know if you saw it, but I played it on Finside the NFL yesterday. And actually, the homie Bobby Shouse, he uh, put it up because um, he saw it on my show and he hit me up. He's like, yo, where's the link? Where's this video? And he actually found it on himself because I was live. But it was Emmanuel uh, Ocho talking about um, Debo. And I actually wanted to get your opinion on this, Neil. He kept talking about McDaniel, McDaniel, McDaniel. He said he talked to players and they said they cre- he talked to players in the locker room. They all credited McDaniel for what that offense was. He kept talking about, dude, he mentioned McDaniel like in a minute and a half. He dropped McDaniel's name like eight times, bro. I'm not even exaggerating. It was just McDaniel, McDaniel. The players vouched, Debo, etc. Dude, I think, I think he also cares about his legacy, not just his money. And that's why I think he wants to play with McDaniel, bro. I mean, look, dude, this Mike McDaniel love affair is real, man. Players and coaches and they're friends, dude. It's one of the better stories that I've seen this offseason. And that's, you know, half yeah. partially because I'm a Dolphins fan. But like, it's cool to see a young, relatable coach relate to his players, but, you know, have a good enough relationship to let them know when it's time that we're going to coach you up. And yeah, we all saw some of the videos out there this week. And I, you know, I get excited about that kind of stuff. This is what. You know, we, we, we put in the effort for all off season getting this team together. I mean, I'll tell you this right. I'll tell you this right now. I, I, I have not that Tyreek Hill trade did something to me that I haven't felt as a Dolphins fan for a long time. And and I love the Taron Armstead sign, but the signing, but the Tyreek Hill trade. That's too cocky. It just it, it's just it, 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 it's not adding like I'm trying to think like. A, like a Devonte Parker, like the Patriots did not, not to kind of throw mud on the guy, but like we just got like the bona fide superstar game breaking in his prime in his prime with Jalen Waddle, who I think is going to be the closest thing to him in the league. And I just get so excited for Tua because I think that we're going to see him go from wherever people had him ranked. And I'm with you. Like, I'll actually do you one better than the top 12 play. I told you this, that I, I'm going to Vegas in a couple weeks, and I'm going to throw a little coin on, on him. Um, I, I think that he has a chance. Say it. Say it. An, an outside chance, but I'll say it's a chance to be a legitimate MVP contender this year. And it's the most Homer thing I've said in a long, long time. <laughs> But like, I just have a vision, and I know because because I trust the work. Especially working. for me, who went on the personal roller coaster ride of our text messages back and forth all season of your feelings on Tua. I love yeah. it, baby. I'm here for it. Well, here's why: like, I know the work he's put in. Yeah, uh, I know the the improvement physically that's going to happen in year yep. three from year one. But tell them the key thing, Neil. You're one of the smart fans who knows football, who's not one of these casuals out here, realizes the talent level that's been put around him, not just on the field, but also on the coaching side of it. And what is reason, well, no offense, and no, no pun intended, and logic tell you? He's organically and naturally, just because of the talent level around him now, he's just naturally going to take a step forward. It's a question of how big is the step. 
Right. Well, the coach, see, that's the thing I think is the most important part of it because it's not just to me, Darren Armstead. It's not just Taron Armstead, Connor Williams, Tyree Kill, Cedric Wilson, and the running game. Like, there's so much of, there's so many layers to it. First of all, to have a real running game, oh, a fullback and two quality running backs, to have the R and RPO block, and yeah, and and like to have weapons. Like, we wanted someone to complement Jalen Waddle, and I mean this with all due respect. We got someone who completely overshadows Jalen Waddle at this point in his career, right? Yeah, but did you see what we also did? We also got someone who's complimented Tyreek Kill better than he's ever had in his career, too. That's what's oh, crazy. Yeah, and like to is physically in some of the best shape he's been in, in five years. And Mike McDaniel McDaniel knows what the hell he's doing. I mean, I really think that like the story of the NFL coming week eight is going to be, whoa, did we write this uh, superstar from Alabama yeah. off too fast? Yeah. Who is the best player? You know what I see, Neil? In the 2020 draft class for the quarterback position. Because I'll, I'll, I mean this when I say this. Tua was the best of those three quarterback prospects yep. coming out. And yep. it might not have translated the NFL. And I'm not going to knock. Burrow and, and Herbert are probably in my top five to six quarterbacks okay. in football, period. End of story. They're both better than Tua right now. There's no doubt. I'm not about saying that. Herbert's top. I'm not. I had top five right now. That's a bit of a stretch, but top 10, I could see where you're going with. But top five? Ooh. Yeah. I mean, you got Brady coming back. So that changes it. You have Rodgers, Watson, Mahomes. But after that, for me, man, like honestly, it's Why probably Burrow. I, I think Russell Wilson and I like Russell is taking a step back at this it's point. Dak and I was a Dak hater, but Dak Dak is taking I a take big Herbert step over Dak, I think, man. Uh yeah, no, you got an argument there. There's a but there's a And I like Stafford still too. I, I still like Stafford. Oh uh, yeah, Stafford's a baller, but again, situation matters, right? But but like you know, but with with all that said, like they're both more established and they've been better football players than two so far. But we oh, can yeah, also yeah, yeah. you gotta look at the context, call them Thank excuses, you. call them whatever them. you want. But like in reality, there's no doubt that he had a head coach that was sabotaging him. He dealt with rumors of other people. Tom he dealt with rumors of Deshaun Watson and Tom freaking Brady replacing him. He had the worst, most horrific offensive line that I've ever seen when it comes to pass protection in my life. Which is crazy because you lived through the 2019 offensive line just recently, too. (laughs) Well, and and we have we had a coaching staff that every time they were out on the field on the offensive side of the ball, the coaching staff was outmatched every game that two was ever played in his tournament. I mean, that offensive line. People realize Josh Allen didn't beat us. It was McDermott kept beating Flores and our staff. Yeah, I, I just think that that. Is Dude, there's so one better layers on of this, improvement? I'm gonna do you one better on all this. Look at the correlation between us and the Bengals last year, and it's as deep as the quarterbacks. Last year, there was no gap. I don't care what anyone tells me. If last offseason, you if I would have asked you or anyone else, y'all would have said Herbert was the best in the class. Now y'all are saying Burrow is the best in the class. And I'm not disagreeing with you. I think Burrow right now, as of today, is the best in the class. Here's the thing though. There was no gap between Tua and Burrow 
when you look at their play in their rookie year, it wasn't a gap. Like even down to their, their numbers were like eerily similar too. And if it wasn't for the bills fiasco where Andrew Van Ginkle was the only guy who got off the bus for that game in 2020, no one showed up, not just Tua. no one showed up in that game. If it wasn't for that game Tua actually would have had better statistics overall than Burrow. But anyways, I digress, but that game made them go on even par for their statistics and you look at their play there wasn't that big of a gap and this was a you know burrow had a had an off season to train like herbert did while tua was rehabbing so tua didn't have the luxuries they had right anyways but look at the moves they made now we can talk about whether we all like jackson carmen or not whatever but look at the efforts they made to upgrade the interior they added riley reef which you know i kept telling people they're not taking penny Suell. they're going to take jamar chase at five I was one of the first people on that bandwagon way when everyone was like, they're taking Panay. I'm like, no, they're taking Chase. I'm telling y'all. Burroughs even told y'all publicly who they're taking when he was started pushing for him. And I tied it back to the year before. If you go back to this combine interview before they uh, drafted him, you know, he's the one who told them to tag AJ Green for that year and keep him there. That was a Burrow call before they even drafted him. So I'm like, yo, he's got pull. Jamar Chase is coming. And lo and behold, Jamar Chase came. But look at what the Jamar Chase edition did. It bumped to T. Higgins, who became one of the best number twos in the NFL last year. And it bumped Tyler Boyd to number three, who became the best number three in the NFL last year. C.J. Usama was a continuous, didn't disappear, red zone threat for them. Joe Mixon... They, you know, hey, we had a historically bad 30-second line. They had the 22nd offensive line. I'll take 22nd over historically bad 30-second all day of the week. But look at They had one of the better lines Joe Mixon ever had. And he was already a top 12 running back. And he had one of the, he had a career year. Just like, look at Herbert, Eckler. They upgraded the offensive line to the point Eckler had his best line ever. Career year. All right. Mike Williams career year. You know what I mean? It's it's a trickle effect and there's correlation to us and specifically the Bengals last year to where look at Tua. No one was raved. Burrow wasn't even in the same discussion as Herbert last offseason. OK, no one can tell us different. I got we all got the receipts on that. OK, now he's the lead dog. Right. But what did it do? Proper drafting. Chase became their number one and dropped down T. Higgins and Boyd to the roles I already explained. They upgraded the offensive line as best as they could, right? And it got them. 22 is like, you know, it's better than being in the bottom half, you know, better than being 25 and worse. And and Burrow and Mixon's game elevated because of the offensive line and Burrow's game took the leap he had had. And look at they made it to the Super Bowl in the playoff run. It wasn't 500 yards a game Burrow. It wasn't five touchdowns a game Burrow. It was, yo, our defense is playing good ball. You're getting decent enough protection. We got playmakers all around you. Be efficient with the football. Do what Brady does. Right, because Brady, his two big things of why he's so great, why he's the goat, is he is the most efficient quarterback we've ever seen, and he's also one of the smartest quarterbacks we've ever seen. If not the smartest quarterback we've ever seen, it's either him or Manning. Right? We can basically probably say so. You know, but efficiency, key, 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 key is efficiency, right? And 
that's all they asked of Burrow. Be efficient with the weapons we've given you. Let our defense do their thing because, hey, our defense might have come on on the last eight of the last nine games, but guess what? Their defense consistently through the season was better than our defense, right? right. We may have got on the same level of them on the back half, but that first half of the season, they were one of the better defenses in the NFL, right? And they kept playing like that. So you look at that, it's like, okay, if we get that defense we had in the first eight, you know, in those that last eight of the nine games, and our offense takes that step. Because, yo, here's the thing, Neil. Okay. Tyreek Hill or Jamar Chase? Tyreek Hill. Okay. Um, and and, and oh, I, still, oh, I still oh, take Jalen Waddle over Chase. Okay. okay, I, I, I agree with you. Jalen Waddle, T. Higgins. Jalen Waddle. Cedric Wilson or Boyd? Tyler Boyd. Okay. Uh, who's their number four? I, I don't even know. Lynn they, Bowden or whoever they it is. I'm taking Lynn Bowden this year in this upside and working with two. I don't even need to get who it is, over okay. there. Tight end. Yep. Okay. Now, our combination of our backfield right now or Joe Mixon. Combined, if our backfield stays healthy, we can produce Joe I, Mixon I'll, combined. I'll, I'll lean to, Nick, to Mixon. Mixon, I agree. But it's close. Combined, we can do it is what I'm saying, right? Like, right. you know, if they stay healthy. And I mean, Taron Armstead or Jonah Williams. I actually take our offense line overall. Exactly. So if you look at where I'm going at, if you look at it, bro, we've upgraded better than the Bengals did last offseason. So if Burrow took that leap, and I'm not saying two is going to take a Burrow leap, but if Burrow took that big of a leap, we all had him in that discussion with Herbert. To now he's better than Herbert, and Herbert still had a very strong year last year other than his fourth-quarter demises, which I've been saying forever that no one wants to talk about. You can talk about his fourth-quarter comebacks all you want, but the guy loses games in the fourth quarter just as much as he wins them. You, whatever, but I digress. He still had a very good season last year. No one is going to deny that. And yet Burrow all of a sudden took that big of a leap where he's not even in the conversation to now he's better than Herbert, and we've done more for Tua than the Bengals did for Herbert, and Herbert is uh, sorry, and Tua is better than the level Burrow was at going into last year in terms of like he had an extra season under his belt. He's seen defenses more than Burrow did going into 2021, is what I mean. You know, when he got these upgrades, you know, let's just be factual, right? If Tua Tungavalo is a problem, do you think Tyree Kill wants to be a Dolphin? Why? Uh, last I checked, am I doing this right, Neil? He Tyreek Hill chose two over Zach Wilson. Am I doing this right? Well, I mean, am I doing I, this right? I mean, he actually practically chose him over Patrick. Did you see how mad the Jet fans are over the Debo stuff with us? Like they they come at us for Debo. They're coming at us for two and, and yeah. They're still coming. I, they're coming hard after Jets fans are coming hard after Tua because of Tyreek you know, right like, now, well, you know, and they're fair, coming man. after Debo because of us. To be fair, like the Jets, it's been kind of rough for them the last couple off seasons. Screw them, bro. I hope they trade the 10th overall pick and and the 35th and 38th for Debo. And then Debo says, yeah, I ain't signing your franchise tag. I'm holding out. Let me hit free agency. I, I think anyways. Let's go. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get a big name receiver in a no, trade. No, they're not. I, bro, I, I, dude, do, do you understand? I got into this. Uh, this Jets fan was trying 
he came into my one of my posts. It was a Tyreek a Tyreek Hill post uh, from pictures from our voluntary mini camp. One of the sick pictures. I mean, he just looks so good in our colors. I'm sorry, bro. He's awesome. And dude, and and I love how he's already doing the peace sign, right? But anyways, this guy was trying to justify that Drake London, and you know I love Drake London, my friend. Drake London and Garrett Wilson and Jameson Williams that they would be ranked higher in the same class than Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Smith, bro. I'm like, are you serious right now? Are we really? Like, that's the extent Jets fans are delusional because they know they're going to have to settle for less than what we got in Waddle, and they're going to have to settle than less than what we got to Tyreek. They're going to have to settle for less than what the Bengals got in Jamar Chase, and they're going to have to settle for less than what the Eagles got and Devontae Smith, and I'll even go this further. You could take those top three out and put Rashad Bateman into their class, and Rashad Bateman, to me, would vie for number one. It would be between him and Drake London for number one. Yeah, no, I hear you. I, yeah, I mean, look, the Jets, they need, they need that quarterback to work, man, or they're going to be rebuilding. I know that I, I think, you know, Robert... And I didn't like Zach in the pocket, bro. Like, when you looked at the BYU film... All of his good stuff came from outside the pocket on broken plays. When it was structured plays inside the pocket, that was some of Zach's worst film, bro. And it's like, I'm sorry, man. Like, I just don't think, like, they should have taken Trey Lance or Fields, bro. They should have invested in one of those guys. I'm sorry, man. That's where I sit with that. I don't know where you do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, I, 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 it's just crucial that they get it right. And I know that like there's a lot of mocks out there having them take an offensive tackle. I, I think you need to add at 10 the best receiver you could get at four the best impact defender you can get. Yeah, I, I agree with you. They should go Kevon Thibodeau at four or Aiden Hutchinson at four if Drake London. goes first. Yep. Yeah, and then Drake London or yep. Garrett Wilson or Jameson Williams at 10. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I think that's where that's where you got to go. Um, you know, because I like look, you know, I, I want to beat the Jets just like everyone else. I, you know, it, bro, it, they think Elijah Moore is better than Waddle, bro. Yeah, like these guys are delusional, dude. Yeah, I mean, you know, with team pride, it doesn't surprise me, man. Like, but come it, on, man, are we sitting here saying, okay, we got a real argument to say? I thought Waddle was a better receiver than Jamar Chase coming out. I still think with what Waddle was given, the guy turned chicken S-H-I-T into chicken salad last year. He was treated for the first eight or nine games. He was treated like Jarvis Landry inside five yards. I feel like we drove him like a Honda Civic when we got a Lamborghini sitting there. I feel like our, you know how I felt. Grizzard didn't know how to use him. Either did our co-offensive coordinates. I just felt. And then you look at when Jacoby leaves, what happens? Waddle's yards per catch, yards per reception, everything. Um, Average target depth, everything goes up when Tua comes back. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, look, we're it's going to be competitive. I I'm not worried about the Jets that much. You know, can we beat the Buffalo? Dude, I think we're going five and one in our division, Neil. Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait. For, I'm actually excited for the first time. I'm actually more excited for the schedule release because I think our boys are going to get a couple prime time games this year. What's your over under? Prime time, we'll get. I think we get three at least. Woo! Oh man, I love uh, you know. I think we're I think we're gonna get a different feel when it, I know, eh? It's just a different feel when you're when it's Monday and Sunday night games, man. Well, like I, I'm gonna give them an honest criticism, right? Like they, you been, know, Pittsburgh's gonna lose a bunch of those slots because they don't want to see Trubisky in prime. Well, night. they've been awful at 
drafting superstars. Like they've drafted good football players, but outside of Xavier Howard, like name me a star they've drafted in 10 years. Like, right. Like, so go out and get one, go out and do what they did. Like I, I, I was a star. I can't love what they've done with this off season anymore. That, that, that's kind of how I'll edit for me. Like, I, I just don't know what they could have done better. Like, the Tyreek, like the Taron Armstead thing was awesome, and I was feeling really good about our Are offseason. you fine with center and right tackle right now? Well, let's get into our mailbag questions because I know for sure let's do it. that that's going to be one of them. Let's go. Let's see what we got here. Let's let's check. Let's let's see what we got here. I got a bunch, and, and we'll save these, and we'll get back to them. Our boy Ronan, I love this dude. He's a great guy. Yeah. What's the most important position of need at 102? Is it the best talent available type of pick? Um, I would go, I would go BPA at that point. But if we're going position, um, inside linebacker center for me. But I would at that one hundred two, you go BPA, best player on your board. You know, like that. That's where I'm at with one hundred two. Yeah, I'm in the same two positions, and then I'm going to go off of kind of some things I've been hearing. I think they're definitely going to go offensive line here. And I think it's going to be Cam Jurgens from. Nebraska. I think it's going to be Lindstrom. Yeah. It could be. I, I mean, I, I, I think they're going to try to get a guy. And... I think Jurgens is better and higher upside than Lindstrom, but I think because of the execution under Applebaum, I mean, I've been consistent. I think they're going to take Lindstrom, but I have Jurgens as my center three, so I'm totally down with that. And I mean, and you look at he ran in his own offense, a lot of RPO stuff in Nebraska. So I'm down for Cam Jurgens, uh, totally, but I, I have a bad feeling it's gonna be Alec Lindstrom. Yeah, well, no, I, I don't think that's a bad feeling. I, I like Lindstrom. I think uh, I, okay. My thing with Lindstrom, Neil, is like when I look at Fortner, Jurgens, even Donovan West, I see higher ceilings. With Lindstrom, I see a guy high floor, low ceiling. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. I mean, if you can so that's what I think. If you ask me what I want. In my dream scenario where I could give the Dolphins an A, if they somehow leave this draft with Chan and Tyndall for me. Oh, that's, yeah. That's what I want the most in this draft class. That's the guy I want us to walk away. And, and, and when I, I say want Leo that, Chanel. I, I'm saying that within reason, meaning, I, I, I of course, I'd take um, Linderbaum, but he ain't going to be there. Yeah, like, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're talking so, about realistic at 102. Like, realistic. yeah, if we're going linebacker realistic at 102. Yeah, like I'm hoping like a Muma or a or a Chanel falls, but like if we go, if Tyndall falls there or Brandon Smith is there or um, Troy Anderson there, I would love that pick. But I think they're personally going to go like Lindstrom personally. Yeah, with I'm with that. Here's a good question, kind of follow up a guy, Greasy Bob, Greasy like uh like fried food, Greasy. Love it. With with Mostert on a one year deal, is it realistic for the Dolphins to take a running back at one and two if talent st- starts to fall? I think that's why they did their homework on a guy like James Cook. Do I think James Cook's going to be that one or two? No, but you know what if a, an innocent guy, my wide receiver four? What if a guy like Rashad White is still lurking around? Well, dude, man, we're on the same page. I was gonna say, I think in round four, Pierre Strong, I, he fits this. You know what I mean? I think Rashad White, Arizona State in round four. If that guy's oh, there, it's a steal. Perfect, it's a perfect compliment. I think he's a little bit more juiced up version of Kenyon Drake, and I think he's a good pass catcher. And I think that would be. So my man crush list, bro. 
It'd be a really, really fun. Uh, we got a Russell Voris here. Do you both truly believe Austin Jackson has what it takes to be takes to be to man to his blind side? With his style of techniques, do you agree with my thought process that he is a better fit on the right side of the line as I preached all last season because he always leads with his right side? So, long story short, it is is Austin yeah, Jackson yeah, a better be fit at right side? Right yeah, yeah. Well, everyone who like has listened to me on Finside the NFL or wherever on this podcast, everyone knows how I feel about Austin Jackson. But everyone knows when, as badly as I wanted Mike McDaniel to be the head coach, when he did become the head coach, I started warning every single one of you that Austin Jackson is going to be the starting right tackle of this team next year. And the reason why is played in high school. He was. You know, he went to USC on the condition he's going to be right tackle, and then he got shifted to left tackle. Um, natural, you know, that's technically his natural position if you want to get in there. It was the same thing I used to tell everyone about Panay Suell. Um, <clears throat> it's just, you know, you've done lefts for so long, you just got to get back used to it, which is why Panay Suell, you saw when they shifted him back to left tackle last year when Decker was out, and then they moved him back to right tackle to finish the season off. He was one of the best tackles in the NFL at that point to finish off the season because he was like, I got that natural feel for the speed and, and the speed of the game and everything back at what I'd been playing recently, and then I took that knowledge and went to right tackle. So, you know, here's the thing with Austin Jackson. And this is why I told everyone he's going to be the starting right tackle. Athletic profile and traits. You look at his foot speed. You look at his ability in open space. You look at how quickly he can get to the second level. Uh, you know, his overall athleticism for a man his size. You know, he's the closest thing, as much as people don't want to hear it, athletic profile-wise, he's the closest thing to Teron Armstead on this offensive line right now. That's just a fact. The thing with him is, is hand placement, um, you know, just overall, you know, hands is just like his punch isn't over. Like it's not going to just, just shoot you back. You know, his anchor, his overall play strength is just not that great. Um, but you know, his anchor can be developed by the weight room and coaching staff. Um, so can, you know, his hand is all technique stuff. You look at his, he's got fast feet, but he's terrible footwork. So, that's it's coachable. Everything with Austin Jackson is coachable. The thing with Eichenberg is Eichenberg, short arms, not athletic, slow feet. He doesn't have any not good in open space or on an island. He doesn't have any of those athletic traits. Plus, we were sold on him being technically and fundamentally sound. He's none of those things last year. So when you're going to be got to be coached up in your technique and fundamentals, plus you have none of the athletic traits to fit this scheme, Austin Jackson, by default, should be the starting right tackle unless they bring in someone, whether through draft, a guy like Abe Lucas falls to 102, or they take a flyer on a Daniel uh, Falele out of Minnesota at some point. I just don't, you know, it, it's, it seems by default that Austin Jackson is the best fit at right tackle on this roster. What are your thoughts, Neil? Yeah, I think Tua Tungvaloa is going to be the most improved player on this team. I think the second is going to be Jalen Phillips on the mm-hmm. defense side of the ball, and I think the third is going to be Austin Jackson. So mm-hmm. I, I actually think Austin uh, Jackson is going to be an adequate player that I think mm-hmm. at the end of the season is going to end up being, uh, and this is going to be bold, I think he's going to be the third highest graded lineman. So I think he's actually going wow. to surpass Robert Hunt with his play this year. I, and all I, I'm asking for is competent. You're out here. Woo. Yeah, I think that athletic profile in this scheme, and I think he's really going to benefit from the acquisition of Taron Armstead. 
Yeah. I think Armstead's going to take him under his wing. I think yep. he's be coached up with his improved coach. Dude, I think he's going to be training with Duke Mayweather and Allen Texas next offseason, bro. Right. I I think he's going to get stronger. Yeah. And and you know, I, look, we're not going to run for the train wreck that he was. He's still a kid, bro. When that man strength kicks in at his size, look out, bro. Oh he was God. a pleasant surprise at left tackle to me as a rookie. A pleasant surprise because yeah. I was not in love with the pick, just like you. Yeah. And Eric Flowers actually. You know, how many times did you see Eric Flowers like step on his leg and then Ross and I saw it like three times where he stepped on his leg and Jackson like lost his block because of it. Like Eric, his best ball came when Hunt was next to him. Remember? Uh, sorry, yeah. not Hunt, Kinley. Kinley, well, Kinley. And I, I also think a lot of his problems are more on the mental side than the physical yeah. side. So I, just I technique like, yeah, I, I believe it. And then I think that Eichenberg will be the swing guy. And then yeah. that's good. That's a that's good, good. Thing. I like that. Yeah. We'll keep it there. How do you feel about Dieter? I want to. I want to know your feelings about Dieter before we. Get I think to he's the question. weakest link on the line, but I think he's an adequate fifth starter. But if I think we get competent from Dieter and Jackson, and then Hunt continues his trajectory upwards, Connor Williams continues to be one of the better guards in the NFL, and Taron Armstead continues to be what he is, bro. We got a good offensive. Well, I, I don't know if you what you've heard here, but I've heard that they were interested in J.C. Treader, and he was not interested. I heard that they were poking around some of the centers, and the price tag scared them. And I've heard that they're really focused on interior offensive linemen in the draft yeah. where they have picks. So that story tells me that they don't have a lot of faith in Dieter. But to play devil's advocate, there was two teams that offered draft picks to trade for him, and the Dolphins did not want to do it. So I, I think he's adequate, but I, I think this is it for him. He's a free agent after this year. I, I, you know, I don't think that the Dolphins are going to keep him in the long-term plans. So I think that's why they're going to go center early and often. I think that's going to be their pick in round three and that you're going to have a battle. And I think by midseason, Dieter's probably a rotational piece to the line. I'm fine with him being the – if Eichenberg's the swing tackle and Dieter's the swing guard center, I'm fine with that. All right, we got one here. Um, it says, with Melvin Ingram and Ruben Foster in, uh, meeting with the Dolphins, do you think either of these players will be signed? I think Melvin Ingram makes the most sense for um, edge depth. Um, you know, I, I don't, I've heard that they're not going to make a move on either one until after the draft and how it plays out. But if I had to put my money on either one, Melvin Ingram. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think Melvin Ingram would be a really good addition. I like, I know people run and tell me what his stats and what he didn't do last year. Well, what I watched in the, in the, the opener against the bills, he was the most dominant player on that uh, Steelers defense over even TJ Watt. Uh, he was giving Josh Allen constant pressure. And then in the playoffs, he was making plays. I think he's a good veteran leader to bring to the young team. But I think they're going to wait till after the draft because I do think that's a position when you look at those picks at 102 and their fourth round pick. I mean, there's going to be a good, talented player that's on the on, on the uh, defensive end side of the ball there. And I, I you know, I could see them making that move. Uh but I, I think that you can never have too many pass rushers. I think it's going to be financially hard to keep Andrew Van Ginkle in Miami after this year. Unfortunately, you know, if they do make a move for a Debo, they're, they're definitely going to have to move on some from some people. And I think Mike Gazicki and Andrew Van Ginkle are the two people, unfortunately, that probably will lead that list. Byron Jones being another. Um, so I, I think, yeah, look, at the end of the day, you got to You got to make some moves. And, um, I do think that the, I, I was actually a lot more excited about the Ruben Foster one because I felt like you could get him at an NFL minimum. Mm -hmm. 
and like you might find lightning in a bottle. And yeah. I, and I like Melvin yeah. Ingram. I mean, I don't think you're going to break the bank for either of them. You're giving them prove it, maybe incentive laden deals. Like I, I'm open for both of them, man. At this point, like this Dolphin team doesn't have a lot of holes, and you know, there's no problem with having a really good loaded 53 man rosters. Like mm-hmm. if you have if you have a Melvin Ingram and a Brandon Scarlett, for example, doesn't make the team. That's a good problem to have. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm open and like I, I just have realistic expectations, I guess, when we when we go back to the draft here. Right. Like, I, I just think that for me, my expectation is we're going to get one quasi quasi starter and one contributor. And those two seventh round picks are throwaways. That's kind of how I'm looking. That's at how it. I look at it. Yeah. You know, seventh round picks are just glorified UDFAs. Yeah, so I, but I, I'm I'm still excited about it because I think we're gonna see, you know, this team will be able to start talking about 53 man rosters pretty quickly here, yeah. um, and, and then you you know you're getting into the real kind of the 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 nuts and the and bolts of the football season, mm-hmm. you know, even though you know September's far away, you, you got training camps and all that good stuff, and, and honestly, more so than ever. Even with the shortened preseason, I'm really excited for the offseason. Um, I want to see this young team. I want to see this offensive line. I want to see a lot of the things that like we know. Like I, I I can't wait to hopefully see us in one of the preseason games just go out there, five plays, big plays, you know, get two out of there for quick, but like just look sharp, you know. I, I think this team overall is gonna be a lot like they're gonna execute better than they did under Brian Flores, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, I, I just really believe we have just a fun, fun team now. And, like, you know, you you pick your poison. Who's your favorite player? Is it Javon Holland? Is it Tua? Is it Tyree Kill? Is it Jalen Waddle? Are, are you a Gesicki guy? Are you happy that we got Agba back? You got Xavier Howard. I mean, the list goes on and on. Christian Wilkins, uh, Jalen Phillips. I mean, Byron Jones, Nick Needle. I mean, we have a fun, fun roster, man. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I know we said we had nothing to talk about today, but like when we before we got on here, but we've had a nice long show. I think, I, honestly, man, the draft talk got me kind of energized. A lot of Dolphin news, but like it's been quiet, you know, because it's leading up to the draft. But, uh, you know, we're excited. We'll be back next week to kind of dig into kind of a draft preview and look at some Dolphin draft history. But, uh, you know, I'm excited, man. Like, um, fins up. Uh, God, who knows? With the way this offseason's um, been going, by the time we connect uh, next, we might be uh, Debo Samuel Miami Dolphin. Yeah, no. All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. We appreciate everyone for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week where uh, it'll be a lot of draft content next week, a lot of draft talk. So until next time, everyone, when we dive back in, fin too deep, We will see you then. Everyone stay happy, healthy, safe, and blessed. And as Neil said, fins up all day, every day.